It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Cambridge House International brings you the extraordinary future conference that covers today's disruptive headlines in science, technology, and culture, so investors can position themselves accordingly. Here's your chance to join over 2,500 attendees and engaged investors September 22nd and 23rd at the Vancouver Convention Center West for the X-Future Conference and meet 100-plus leading public and private technology companies and startups. Purchase tickets online and save 30% now through September 21st at cambridgehouse.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Fay, hub builder and co-host of British Columbia's podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source for great insights from entrepreneurs from across Canada. We talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen here so you can listen, discover and engage. Thanks for joining us on Canada's podcast today. We are talking to Josephine Kwan, who is a visionary and self-motivated entrepreneur with over 10 years of business experience in commercial real estate, sales and marketing, negotiations, acquisitions and disposition, finance and management. A childhood or youthful experience that involved fear, shame, and anxiety has actually driven Josephine into pursuing a passion outside of commercial real estate and starting up her own business. In 2018, she incorporated, and this year, Josephine has launched Flow to Freedom. We look forward to discussing and introducing you to Josephine and telling a little bit about her entrepreneurial journey. Josephine, welcome. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. So, you know, Tell us a little about the beginning of the story for you as a as an entrepreneur. Uh, well, like you mentioned, I was involved in commercial real estate for the past 12 years. And when people kind of say they fall into entrepreneurship, like this is probably a pretty good example of that. I knew I've always wanted to do something more uh, and contribute to society in some way or, or another, but I just never knew what that was. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, I had this childhood experience that kind of traumatized me up until today. And <laughs> it wasn't until about a year and a half ago, um, I was visiting a girlfriend in the Cayman Islands. And the issue I had was I suffered from heavy periods from a very young age. And the story was when I was in grade 10, I was playing volleyball and I was playing in a provincial tournament. And while I was on the court, I felt a a leak, uh, a period leak. And from that moment on, I completely lost all focus and attention. And I was scared and worried whether or not people can see or, and I couldn't get off the court. So that event pretty much traumatized me. And I didn't, I I remember, I think I might've played for another year, but after that, I just didn't play anymore. And ever since then, like I've always been an avid athlete and love working out. It's always been an issue for me. It's been debilitating. Once a month, it was an issue that I had to deal with. So again, it wasn't until I went to the Cayman Islands and just by chance, I was talking with a friend and she was a lawyer turned fitness instructor. And somehow we got on the topic of periods of all things. And she said, yeah, my biggest nightmare is if I was in front of a class teaching and I got up and there was a pool of blood. I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, I've always had these really heavy periods. 
And now my teenage daughter has them as well. And I was like, holy beep, uh, <laughs> I'm not the only one. So that's when I came, I started thinking a little bit more about it. And then I was like, okay, this entire time I thought, it's one of those topics that you don't share with people. You don't talk to your girlfriend right. because it's embarrassing. So when I came home, I started doing some research and then I realized uh, one in three females suffer from heavy period. Wow. Uh, so then that's when I started looking for, I said, if I, if it's one in three, obviously I'm not the only one. What are people doing? How, like, how are they dealing with this? Hmm. And that's when I came across a couple of companies that produced period proof underwear. So I started buying every brand and trying them all. And they're amazing because they do work. But my issue now was going to the gym. I had these cute little workout tights <laughs> on. And then suddenly I have the big bulky underwear lines. So that's when I, I, again, started doing some more research. And then when I couldn't find what I was looking for, I'm like, it was purely out of being selfish. I said, what if I just try to create a pair of leak-proof pants so that I could go to the gym and work out with. And that's just kind of how it all started. <laughs> and now you're in production? We have been in production and we're fully launched as of May 15th this year. Wow. Congratulations. Thank Yay. you. Trauma from your youth has actually led to your entrepreneurial journey. And I'm just going to acknowledge some of the values that are, you know, part of your website. And the, the one that really jumped out with me is honoring truth, right? Listening to our gut even when it's hard. Can you just give us some insight on how that is personified in, in your business? I'm getting goosebumps when I'm speaking to this because it's a tough thing. I, I believe it takes a lot of courage to admit what your truths are and to go with your gut because generally your gut like you, you instantly know. So the reason why I posted those core values on my website, and I spent quite a bit of time mm -hmm. on it, because initially, when I was looking to partner with certain people, say collaborations for photos or whatnot, you know, when you're, when you're an entrepreneur, and you're just starting up, you don't always have a lot of money. So you kind of get desperate with certain things. And you know, people come up to you and they say they're willing to do something and you're like, that's awesome. Even though your gut says to you, it's too good to be true. Something mm -hmm. doesn't feel right, but you don't listen to it and you go ahead because you just want to make it happen. And I've, I've had to learn a few big lessons about that. And for me now reworking my core values um, and knowing what they are and posting them online makes me accountable for right. that. So every business decision I now make, I will always refer back to my core values and see if they're in alignment or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And a little bit about the business itself. Tell us a little bit about your line. Uh, so right now we, we've developed a design that has full-length pants crop pants, shorts, we do some tank tops uh, and hats, but the core product for us is our patent pending pants. Two things that were really, really important to me during the design stage was, first of all, obviously they have to work. Functionality is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. So each pair of pants holds a minimum of two tampons worth of liquid. Secondly, 
during that time of month, we already don't feel great about ourselves. (laughs) Fit and fashion, the fashion part was a big thing. Like I wanted women to feel great and feel amazing about themselves. So they needed to have that aesthetic as well the quality and aesthetic. So it's got the big high waistband that kind of holds everything in. It's got a big pocket, uh, side pocket to hold your phone and another pocket on the waist to keep your keys and your credit cards. And the big thing is, and it's funny because as I'm speaking to more people about the product, for me, it was something that was wasn't a second thought to me, uh, but using sustainable materials. So each pair is made, the exterior of the pan, each pair is made up of approximately six recycled plastic bottles. And along with other um, sustainable materials within the pan for absorption. And then also the leak proof layer is treated with silver, which prevents bacterial growth, which means there's no odors. So, you know, there was a lot of things uh, that went into the design and we actually went through nine rounds of prototyping before we came up with the final, uh, final design of the pan. I mean, that is a lot of learning in a very short period of time as far as design, materials, manufacturing process, probably distribution processes. I'm sure you're still discovering that. What resources have you had on your side to, to help you through those processes? I think my biggest resource is probably my will and my determination purely, uh, you know, being 12 years in commercial real estate. And when I started in that industry, I had absolutely no experience, but you know, I was, I work seven days a week from five in the morning till seven or eight at night. And there's just no, for me, it's not, it's not a matter and I believe this was from Tony Robbins, uh, it's not about what resources you have. It's how resourceful are you? Like, if Mm -hmm. you really want to do something, you figure out a way to do it. And for me, it was, again, selfish. I wanted to solve this problem for myself because I was sick and tired of going to spin class and having moments where I had to run out in the middle of the class because I was afraid that when the lights turned on, there'd be a surprise. So I wanted to do whatever it took. It was pure determination. Like I said, I, I went from commercial real estate to industry where I had no contacts and I had not a whole lot of knowledge or resource, but I researched the living (laughs) out of the topic. And for me, I already knew what I had in mind and what I wanted to do. I had my big picture. So once I had my big picture, I just broke it down into steps to figure out how I needed Mm -hmm. to achieve that big picture. And well, I'm just curious, can you share some insights on what you've learned that would, what, that would help other entrepreneurs in manufacturing or fashion you know, what are the trends or what are the things that you've learned that you would love to pass on? Uh, yeah, I think, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. When you're a startup and you're new, you get excited, but you also, like, you really need to trust your gut because people will sell you things or try to sell you things. And because you're new, 
and you don't know, you're willing to jump at the chance. Take your time. Coming from somebody who <laughs> doesn't have a whole lot of patience and wanting to get things done, but also getting things done right is a huge thing. Like sticking to my core values was a big thing because right. there were ways that I could make it cheaper. I could have gone with the manufacturer that was a lot cheaper, uh, but the quality was just not there. And that I was not willing to give up because at the end of the day, the garment, the company, the product is a representation of who I am as a person and, and what I want for myself is what I want for other people, which is, you know, quality and something that works. And again, also the sustainability. And, and when you're talking about trends, I'm sure everybody's seeing in whether it's articles or news and different brands, everybody is trying to move towards the sustainability side mm -hmm. of things. We know fast fashion is a big problem. The fashion industry is the second biggest polluting industry next to oil. So we all know this now and everybody is wanting to make a change. And that also is another factor to consider. Using sustainable materials, being socially, corporately responsible, there's a cost to that. And sometimes it's tough because I pay more. Like I pay more to my manufacturers. I pay more for the fabrics that are made. Like I want it to be accessible for everybody. And at the same time, you get what you pay for. And, and I think there's a little bit of a lag there. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think the more people I speak to, they're all consciously thinking about social responsibility. And now people are saying, yeah, that if they know it's sustainably made, they are willing to pay a little bit more. Let's uh, talk a little bit about your lifestyle. So just out of curiosity, what question about the business is, how did you, how did you get started? How did you fund yourself? This has been a self-funded project for me, but also coming from Vancouver, we have such a huge resource uh, pool and uh, our city is just great for growing businesses and startups. You know, you read about Vancouver and it's the mm -hmm. new tech hub, but it's a startup hub. Um, it's great. Like we have banks like Van, Van City. Van City is one of my banks. They're about microfinancing and helping their own community. So that's been a great resource. Futurepreneur has been a great resource, but I haven't gone out for, you know, I've had the opportunity and offers from different investors, but I haven't chosen to take that route because I would like to kind of see where I can take it with my own vision. Because when you have investors, things sort of change, but that doesn't mean I'm not open to it being in the future all depends where, how, which direction things go. Let's talk about Vancouver for a little bit. You, I mean, great segue as far as the, you know, the culture and the vibe of Vancouver, you know, going from commercial real estate into a, into a startup, are there any particular resources that you've tapped into that you would now deem essential? Small Business BC was a great starting point in Vancouver. They hold seminars and classes to teach people how to you know, do their startup and they have the business advisors to help you with business plans and whatnot. So great, great resource. Uh, your banks are a great resource, but in terms of networking and being in the e-commerce industry, 
I just started like looking online and going to random events by myself, first of all, just to, you know, make friends because being an entrepreneur can be quite lonely. But another great resource is the Forum for Women's Entrepreneur. Such a great group. I did this three-day intense E-series course, and there were 62 female entrepreneurs in, in the program. And just such great resource. And it's really sad because coming from commercial real estate, I had no idea they existed. And they've been around for, I think, a minimum of 15 to 20 years. Great resource, great women. Uh, they have a mentorship program and lucky, and I'm very honored, but I've just been nominated to participate for Pitch for the Purse for FWE, which is uh, very much like Dragon's Den, uh, where you submit your application and uh, they choose three finalists and then three finalists pitch in front of a crowd at I believe it's uh, Hotel Vancouver, and then people vote. And if you win, you win $25,000. But there's also a lot of investors in the room. Like, for example, Kevin O'Leary was there last year. Uh, so it's, it's a big, big uh, event. So the finals is in February, I believe. Cool. Something to look forward to. Maybe we'll get to yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Tell me about what day-to-day life looks like for you? Where do you work? And, you know, do you work from home? Do you work in a co-working space? Do you have a corporate office? What does day-to-day look like? Right now, I work from home because I have a little home office set up, but Mm -hmm. a lot of my supplies and inventory is, I'm the one-man show right now. I do all my shipping and packing and everything. But I spend a lot of my time doing research, reaching out to different Uh, organizations and groups. And the main goal is really to create a safe space and create awareness around the issue. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny, as I was starting this business and being a product-based business, you would think, you know, I'm going door-to-door to to sell. In, In a way, I am, but And I think in the beginning, the first couple months, it was kind of like that, but it's totally changed for me because for me, it really is about the why and the cause of what I'm trying to do. The pants is a secondary topic that I speak to people about. Really, it's how do we speak about the issue? And why I'm saying this was I've been doing a lot of interviews and a lot of interviews with athletes. I have recently interviewed a beach volleyball Olympian athlete just to get an idea because, again, it stemmed from my volleyball experience, but they're wearing these tiny little shorts and they're playing out, you know, it could be all full full year round. And I want to know what's it been like for them. And it's a huge issue. So how do you find these athletes? Are there, what is, is in Vancouver? Is that, uh, do you meet them on the beach playing beach volleyball? Do you connect with them in gyms? What, how, how are you getting out and about? Any chance I get at the gym or, um, I reach out, I reach out to a lot of people through Instagram and Facebook. I actually have a degree in kinesiology. So I read, (laughs) I've reached out to some of my old contacts and coming from 
a commercial real estate background, I don't have the fear of door knocking or asking people questions. Right. Um, so I just, and it really is like when people hear me ask the question, they're kind of like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to talk about that. But then with the hundreds, probably a couple thousand people that I have been speaking to over the last year and a half, almost every single person, whether it be male or female knows somebody that has had a traumatic experience of related, whether it's their mom, their sister, their daughter, their friend, somebody has like, they know somebody that has experienced it. So it's so, it's such a relatable topic. And that is definitely something everybody wants to avoid, right? Is trauma like that. Cause it's so personal. It, It sticks like, again, it sticks with you. So yeah, like the interviewing with athletes has been a big eye opener and that's kind of changed the course of how I approach um, different organizations and people is always around the topic of what their experience has been like first and foremost, can they relate how they relate, how they deal with the issue. And then I would go in and say, do you know that there are products because people just don't know. And here's another thing about about like push pull marketing and, and all these crazy things that I'm learning about, you know, websites and social media, (laughs) all the things that I stayed away from, it's now kind of coming right and center. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I've learned, you know, people tell me to work on your SEOs because you know, that will help with your ranking for your website. The problem I I realize is it doesn't matter where you rank. If people don't actually even know that there's a solution, solution. nobody's going to go search for one. Right. So it's really like, how do we get ourselves out there? So there, there's a couple of organizations that I've been speaking to that I'm really excited uh, about. Uh, yeah, well, one one is Fast and Female, and I found this organization through uh, the athlete that I was speaking to, but they are all about girls and sports because there's been articles that have been done and researched saying that the biggest drop-off of girls in sports is usually between the age of 12 and 16 ish. Mm-hmm. Guess when that time is. Right. Also when they start menstruating, and right? They, and when they first start menstruating, that's yeah. when it's the least consistent and they'll have accidents. So. And like what was the other organizations? Fast and female. You know, said I'm also speaking to West coast beach volleyball organization and they're, and they're trying to, um, build a new facility for, and and again, to, um, empower athletes and also encourage kids to stay in sports. To me, that that's my passion, kids and sports. And how do we keep them active and how do we keep people in general active? Right. I'm going to ask you a few fun rapid fire questions. So we've learned about a little bit about your business. Do you have a, a mentor or somebody significant that has influenced you? I have many. Uh, and I think the goal is to have many in, in all different areas of business um, and personal. And the biggest thing is I only take 
advice from people that I actually look up to because a lot of people are very much willing to offer you advice. So (laughs) it's, and everything comes like grain of salt. So a lot, I have many in different, different different areas. Do you have a particular book that's been a great influence? Funny enough, I just finished reading Little Black Stretchy Pants. It's the Chip Wilson book. It's what? Chip Wilson's book, telling the story and history of Lululemon. So interesting. Very interesting read, yeah. I bet. And uh, is there a particular inspirational quote that follows you, whether it's on your bulletin board or on your computer laptop? It would be from the Dalai Lama. If you cannot help someone, at least don't hurt someone. Is there a particular conference, uh, let's talk national, that you've either attended or that you are going to that you would deem essential in your particular industry? I haven't. I I missed it this year, but I hear it's a great event is Traction, and it's all about startups, and they have some really, really good speakers coming from all over the world. A childhood friend of mine actually uh, runs and puts the whole thing together, and he's just done an incredible job. And anything more on a local or regional level, kind of an event or conference? Where will we see you next? Hopefully Pitch for the Purse. Ah, yes, of course. (laughs) Fantastic. Josephine, is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't covered yet? I think the biggest thing that I've learned thus far of this experience is really well, two things, being grateful and having patience. With my type A personality, I like to get things done really quickly. So it's about managing your own expectations because, again, having all the experience in one field, you expect that everything and the returns will be right away. And it's just not. You just need to be patient. Kind of a fun signature question for us at Canada's podcast is um, if you were stranded on a deserted island with no technology, there is one phone booth, old fashioned phone booth with a quarter, you can make one call. How long would you last on this deserted island without technology and and on your own? And uh, what would you do there? I would be meditating in Maui. Maui is my go-to, and it's funny, I just, I just put up a post today, and I said, Maui is my go-to uh, place in the world, that it's where I feel grounded. I lived there for five years. Uh, I would love to eventually kind of go back, but it's, it's so peaceful, and, and you know what? It's funny. We all work hard because we all think at some point or another we're going to retire and live on an island well you can do that (laughs) (laughs) it's tough to catch you at home obviously so what's the best place post podcast for people to connect with you uh on the website you can just contact me directly through the website www.flowtofreedom.com flow f-l-o-w the number two freedom Awesome. Josephine, thanks so much for joining us on Canada's podcast. We look forward to catching up with you in person. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey there. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. 
You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time.